Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Yes, indeed, The Weekend Report is on your radio, and thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Tony Colombo in studio with producer Frank Ladd, and once again, my co-host Chris Arps is connected through the wonder of technology to his home as we continue to practice proper social distancing here at The Weekend Report. Chris, how are you, my friend? Tony, I am doing well. We have a lot to talk about this weekend, my friend. We sure do. I don't even really know where to start. I I mean, coronavirus has dominated everything for two months, so let's start somewhere different for once. Um, Let's start with Joe Biden and the sexual misconduct allegations against him, and he finally uh, addressed those in person. He put out a uh, um, an, an article addressing his the the accusations against him. He went on Morning Joe on MSNBC and addressed them. Uh, what are your thoughts right now on where Joe Biden and his campaign are with this allegation? Well, Tony, I think this is a very very serious allegation that is dividing the Democratic Party. Uh, You can see it. uh, I've chronicled it it on my Facebook page where you have women groups that wanted Joe Biden to put out a statement last month during sexual assault month. And he didn't. And uh, they squashed a a, a press release they were going to put on that calling for him to do that. Uh, once that New York Times story came out, they talked them out of doing it. I think what you see is a real divide there. And I think one glaring thing that you take out of the Morning Joe interview is that when Mika asked him about uh, Tara Reid's name in any of the papers uh, that were at the University of Delaware, um, where his uh, institute is, was going to be, I think. I think the fact that he didn't say, yes, go ahead, search her name and find anything if you can. He did say that all the papers that were sent to Delaware University were uh, stuff of personal nature that dealt with presidents and heads of state and things of that, that nature, but there wasn't anything personal. But he did not say specifically, yes, 
you can search through those uh, documents because I know there is no personal stuff. Yeah, I no, think in that's fact, he said one no. glaring <laughs> hole right there. Not only did he not say yes, he said no, and his point was you'd be wasting your time because there's no personnel files at the University of Delaware, so that wouldn't be filed there. However, for whatever reason, uh, Miss Reed believes that there is. So my question was, and I thought Mika's question was a good one. She said, just just search that name. Just search Tara Reed's name in the files at the University of Delaware and see what comes up. And if the person doing that or the groups doing that are indeed wasting their time, like you say they will be, then they just wasted their time. And you I- and you were right. So let them waste their time if there's nothing there. I don't understand why the seeming uh, protection over the over the University of Delaware files. Yeah, I think the fact that he would not specifically say, go ahead, look through the files, look specifically for her name, and go ahead and do that. I know there won't be anything. I think that sends out a lot of red flags is that the pl- the complaint that she allegedly filed against the senator uh, back in 1993 is in those files. And I think he and the campaign and the Democrats are terrified of that. The montages that have been put together by various organizations of the way that Joe Biden and several high-ranking Democrats handled the Brett Kavanaugh case and the way that they are handling this situation are I mean, we're used to hypocrisy in politics, but this is at a new level. I mean, the, it, they, it is devastating to the credibility of people like Nancy Pelosi when, you know, when you, when you see what she said about Brett Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford. And then this week she says to a reporter um, when asked about Joe Biden, she says to the reporter, I don't need a lecture There was never any record of this, and nobody ever came forward. There is also due process and the fact that Joe Biden is Joe Biden. What the hell does that mean? The fact that Joe Biden is Joe Biden, so he's incapable of this? Can you imagine if somebody would have said, well, and there's the fact that Brett Kavanaugh is Brett Kavanaugh. How do you think that would have flown with Nancy? Tony, the Democrats are in a serious dilemma right now. They have to make a choice. Do they save Joe Biden or do they save the Me Too movement? And it's going to be interesting these coming weeks, days and months to see which one gets thrown over the bus uh, first. Because if the women's movement and the Me Too movement doesn't come out strongly against uh, uh, Joe Biden like they did Kavanaugh with with Biden's case having even more evidence and them not saying anything will destroy that movement. So they're in a they're in a catch-22 right now, in my opinion. The other thing that he continued to harp on was the fact that this was 27 years ago. I can barely remember what happened 27 years ago. Why would she wait 27 years? That doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to speak to her motive, but I don't know why anybody would wait 27 years. Once again, that type of scrutiny was not applied to Christine Blasey Ford. And Brett Kavanaugh, it was it was a lifetime of pain and hurt for her. But for Tara Reid, it's an obvious clue that she's lying. The double standard is astounding. 
Look, there are some inconsistency in Tara Reid's story. When she first— Sure. Uh, said, listen, listen, she, I want to be clear about something. I am not saying that Tara Reid's allegations are— No, 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 I'm not saying that. What I I'm saying am, is I am simply a, pointing out the difference in the way that it was handled by people in positions of power and authority and how one allegation was treated and, yeah. as opposed to this allegation— no, what, no, what I'm saying is there's some inconsistencies in her story. She first came out and and didn't mention um, the groping allegation. She just she just said she was sexually assaulted. But Democrats and feminist uh, supporters of, of of victims have said this is what happens when these cases happen. Where when they first tell the story, they don't tell the full story of what happens, and then they do to tell the full story. So what I'm saying is the Democrats are trying to destroy her credibility with the evidence they want to use to try to convince Judge Kavanaugh. And as you said, and I said it on my Facebook page, the hypocrisy is almost blinding. Mm, Absolutely. Was all this covered up when Joe Biden was running for vice president with Barack Obama for eight eight years? That's a good question. But the fact is it's a Democrat, Frank. No, no, no. Let's 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 answer the question. Was that covered up for eight years? It's not. It's not Republicans trying okay. to take Joe Biden down with this. It's a Democrat. My answer is maybe. <laughs> I mean, it could Wouldn't have you been. Think <laughs> if, you were, if you were running to be the first African-American president of the United States, that you would have vetted everybody incredibly well and something like this? Would have come up somewhere. There would, would have been rumors. Because there would have been something. Si- because they and were it was silent, never crushed. Frank. These were all Democrats. This is a this is an effect. Where were the Republicans looking into trying this? to take down Joe Biden? Where were the Republicans looking into trying to take down the first African American? You're missing president? the point. This is a Democrat that's taking down another Democrat. There's no Republicans. There's no other faction trying to take them She's down. She's not a Democrat. It's a fellow yeah, if Democrat. If you don't look, if you don't know to look for something, then how do you look for it? Certainly, especially if it's that's what I'm saying. Is hidden. is I'm surprised at even with a even with all of the people that supposedly she told that this never came up for somebody who was a heartbeat away of becoming the president of the United States. Because they're on the team. Now they're not now she's off the team and she's su- was supporting uh Bernie. Yeah. Again, she I, was I supporting don't know, Biden I, I don't know up how until to, two years ago. I don't know how to yeah, apply. now she supported supports Bernie. She's off the team. I am not gonna By the way, Tony pretend. is Tony is sticking his parking yes. pass into his pants. No, there, not in a pocket of his pants, <laughs> outside, but he's sticking it in the in his outside pants. My, it's outside okay. Just my, an interesting visual shorts. here in the studio yes, as we socially distance. Good, yeah. I'm not the, I'm not it's there. Outside, you guys just get to see my pretty face. It's not touching anything it's not supposed to touch. Don't worry about that. But I'm not even <laughs> going to pretend to magnetize get it. into the head of somebody who's making accusations about that, real or fake. Oh, no. Uh, I'm not saying she should have said anything. I'm just saying that, that it's surprising that a man who was a heartbeat away from being yeah. the president of the United States during all of the vetting and all the time he was in office in a public, very high-profile role, that a sniff of this, not even a rumor, not even a thought of this had ever come up. Because yeah, they're all on the same team, Frank. The media wanted Barack Obama to become president of the United there States, was a whole and there party. was no way they were going to let Joe Biden and some 
and some allegation that they've hidden away in the National Archives and hidden away in in, in Joe Biden's papers get out. The so fact Mitt that Romney the point that you're not missing team, is they're all on the same team. And John McCain didn't have a good team. Obviously, when they were they're I mean, all on the same Democratic you want to talk about team. Making... For, and the objective is to have Barack Obama elected president. Well, and if you want to point to an example of somebody not doing very good vetting on their vice president, I think John McCain is a perfect example of oh, that. So that, that, I think you're giving that's a little fine. too much credit to. Right, everybody. But, but there was a whole other side who was against sure. Barack Obama for years and years and years. But if you years, don't know years, to look, then you years, don't years. know to look. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you don't know, if you don't I'm with know, you to look, Alan, Tony. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, they probably thought they had enough. You know, I'm sure both of those campaigns thought that they, you know, had a winning strategy and didn't know to look for something that they didn't know was there. So, uh, got a few the minutes media left. wouldn't covered it if they did. A few minutes it left. It would in have this, happened. Right. Got a few minutes left. Barack in this Obama segment. was anointed. All right. We got a few minutes left in this segment. Uh, we are going to. We have a packed show today. In hour number two, we have Skip Weber and the Weird News Challenge. We're going to talk to our friend Virginia Cruder from the Daily Caller. A little bit later on this hour, we're going to talk to the Motor City Madman himself, Ted Nugent. Chris and I got to talk to ch- a chance to talk to him a little bit earlier this week, and we are going to play that interview for you here in a few minutes and uh coming up in the next segment we're going to start talk to uh state representative nick schroer been on the show many times he is part of uh governor parsons task force it's sort of going out and uh helping explain the reasoning behind the governor's decision to open up the state of missouri this coming week so we're going to get a lot of that information and uh, why the governor thinks this is the right time and the information from the governor's office from representative schroer in the next segment before we get to that segment i want your thoughts on it chris uh, what do you think about the governor's decision to open up the state of Missouri? Uh, you know, we we see quite the dichotomy between ourselves and our neighbors to the east in Illinois. They are extending their lockdown while we are opening up. Which side is right, in your opinion? Look, Tony, I think the governors in several states have looked at their individual situations and looked at the amount of uh, coronavirus cases and the amount of hospitalizations and they felt that they could open their states in a measured way that people could still conduct business and go about their daily lives, but take certain precautions. Um, you know, I, I think it was the right thing to do, and I think it depends on each uh, situation. I don't think that you would do anything like this right now in, in New York City. So I applaud applaud the governor. I think it's the right thing. If it's not the right thing, then uh, he'll definitely suffer for that in, uh, in November. Absolutely. So it, it is an interesting world to me to think that you get in your car and you drive and about every 10 minutes, the rules change drastically. <laughs> you're in Illinois and you're pretty much in complete lockdown. And then you come across and you're in the, in the city or the county of St. Louis. And it's not the full lockdown that's in the state of Illinois, but it's, you know, but, you know, there's still stay at home orders and a lot of things are closed. Then you go another 10 minutes and you're in uh, St. Charles County or Franklin County or whatever. And, you know, you can buy fountain sodas at Quick Trip and you can go to the movies. I don't know. I don't I don't know that that's the best way to control a a disease that's out there or a virus that's out there moving around. I'm not saying it's it's wrong either. It just is it's just weird to know that just in the listening area of our radio station, you could be under one of many different rules. 
Well, I think that's a great segue into uh, the lawsuit that was filed by Beavis Shock, <laughs> oh, who yeah. is a member of the Show Me Institute, a board member. Um, he is suing uh, St. Louis City and St. Louis County because they, they have extended stay-at-home orders um, while the governor is uh, ending those orders May 4th. And so a lot of uh, constitutional experts and a lot of uh, uh, people are saying that he will probably win that lawsuit and uh, St. Louis City and St. Louis County will be open uh, the same on May 4th as the rest of the state. All right. So let's go ahead and take this first break. When we get back, we will talk to Missouri Representative Nick Schroer and get those details directly from the governor's office, his thought process and why he thinks this is the right time to start opening up the state of Missouri and maybe talk about the uh, differences between what is happening in many parts of the state and what is happening here in the city and county of St. Louis. So don't go anywhere. We're going to talk to Nick Schroer when we get back on the Weekend Report, 97. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Frank Ladd. Chris Arps is connected to his home as we practice proper social distancing. And as I mentioned uh, in that last segment, joining us now on the line is State Representative Nick Schroer. Been on the show many times. Always great to talk to Newsmaker Nick. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm uh, you know swamped after a heavy week. Uh, got a big week ahead of us, but thanks yeah. for having me on again. Yeah, you know, um, there's so many different directions that we could go with this conversation because you guys are finally going to be kind of getting back to full uh, a full workload there in the Capitol, which means hopefully we'll have some uh, we'll have some news out of the legislative session soon. But um, right. what I what I really want to talk to you about today is the situation here in the state of Missouri. The governor, Mike Parson, has decided that he is reopening the state uh, starting on Monday. Um, He is going along with uh, many other states around the country, but then there are also many other states around the country, like our neighbors in Illinois, who are not ready to open it up and, in fact, are extending their stay-at-home orders. Um, I know you have the, uh, the information directly from the governor and his office. Can you tell us why the governor thinks this is the right time to start opening up the state of Missouri? 
Yeah, I think for, you know, many reasons, um, you know, the governor wants to uh, preserve our constitutional rights of liberty uh, and the pursuit of happiness. We, we've got many people out there, you know, record highs at, at some points in the year in our nation of those uh, claiming unemployment benefits. And in, in the state of Missouri, while we're ticking back to, uh, I guess, regular course of conduct, people going back to business, our unemployment numbers are starting to come down a little bit. Uh, but I think that's going to that's going to drop drastically here as we're seeing um, that we're past the curve. Many people pe- think that we're past the curve of the covid. Uh, we don't know what, what's going to lie uh, in front of us with the flu season next year. I'm hoping we're going to have a vaccine or something. Uh, but as of right now, people are uh, preserving their liberty, protecting themselves, uh, you know, practicing social distancing. But they can do that uh, going out. You know, a lot of people say, look, if I'm if I'm safe enough to go to Walmart or Sam's where people are jam packed in their Home Depot and Lowe's, you know, I'm safe enough to, to practice these precautions at work or my, my place of worship. So, you know, the governor's jumping online uh, with statistics and other states that are looking at this saying it's time we put Missourians back to work. It, it's time that we allow people to put food back on their table, uh, provide for themselves and their families. And I think that's the right decision. Go ahead, Chris. Nick, you are a state representative, a politician and an attorney. Uh, prominent lawyer attorney uh, Beavis Shock uh, filed a lawsuit uh, this week or last week. I don't know when it was uh, uh, against the St. Louis City and St. Louis County continuing or extending a stay at home order when the governor's order, I think, expires on May 4th. What's your uh, legal opinion on the success of that lawsuit? Well, I think, you know, to kind of summarize it very quickly, I could go on uh, for hours talking about that and the separation of powers and things of that nature. But when we're looking at what the government's duty is uh, in, in a state of emergency, which the state of emergency has been extended, uh, but the only way that the government is allowed to intrude on your liberty, uh, and whether that's businesses or your, your individual liberty, uh, it, it is in a way that, uh, you know, can you, can you continue to go about your daily life and, and your business uh, and protect uh, the general welfare at the same time. And I think, as of right now, the governor has looked and seen that, yes, businesses can uh, implement certain things, such as the amount of people coming in, social distancing. There are different ways that they can continue operating without harming the general public. And I think the government in St. Louis County and St. Louis City has overstepped their constitutional authority. And I think that's what the judge is going to find, uh, just like they did in Illinois, uh, that the government has overstepped constitutional authority and barring these businesses from opening back up when they can do so in a safe manner that will protect the general welfare in the state of emergency. Nick, uh, does the governor believe that there is not the possibility of uh, the the bounce back, you know, uh, sort of another wave of these, or is he keeping a close eye on that and willing to sort of shut things down again if he has to? What are the what are the are, are the plans for the future and how close of an eye is he keeping on this and and what are the possibilities of going back under a stay at home order if uh, numbers start to rise again well I think there's always any of that uh, I think uh, right now looking at the statistics people say that we're past the curve uh, we, we have to keep a close eye on the flu season and from what I understand talking to the governor's staff talking to uh, you know providers health care providers in Charles county, we're already looking to prepare for the worst to yeah. happen. Uh, but that's why I think that we're going to have uh, the, this is be a test run to see if we can implement things to protect the, the general welfare, but also allow for the economy and people to provide for themselves. Uh, and I think that uh, we'll see within the next couple of weeks if that's going to occur, which I believe it will be. Uh, so hopefully if a, if a second run comes, 
we're going to be able to keep our economy uh, up and running, keep keep people with food on their tables, uh, but but at the same time, keep us all happy and healthy in the state of Missouri. That is Representative Nick Schroer. As I mentioned, the uh, legislative session about to get started again, so I'm sure we'll have you back on many times as we go through that. How can people follow what's happening with the Missouri legislative session and uh, with you personally? Yeah, if you just go to house.mo.gov, you can find all the different bills that are going around. I just had a, a big one back from the Senate. We may be uh, taking that up uh, next week, and that deals with crime, uh, especially in St. Louis. Uh, a lot of different crime bills, but you can follow me at Nick B. Schroer uh, on Twitter, or just go to my website, Nick4Rep, all spelled out, Nick4Rep.com. Representative Schroer, always appreciate your time, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, talk to you guys. Thanks. You bet. All right, Chris, uh, in just a couple minutes here, we're going to play part one of the Ted Nugent interview. We had a chance to talk to Ted Nugent, uh, of course, uh, rock and roll legend, a little bit earlier this week. The interview went very long, so we are going to bring you a big chunk of that when we get back, and then we are going to make the rest of the interview available on a podcast exclusive. So where you get the normal Weekend Report podcast, whether it be the Radio.com app or other places, you'll be able to find the rest of this interview. How would you tease what the uh, folks are about to hear from us and Ted Nugent. I would say if you are riding in your car right now to uh, tighten your seatbelt just a little bit tighter. <laughs> we go all over the place. We talk <laughs> We talk about presidential elections. We talk about coronavirus. We talk about hunting. We talk about cooking. <laughs> there is no stone left unturned in this discussion that we had with Ted Nugent earlier this week. It was uh, full ranging. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. <laughs> so we're going to bring you as much of that as we can when we get back, and then the rest of it will be available for you as a podcast exclusive. So make sure you are checking it out. So quick break, excuse me, right back with our uh, talk with Ted Nugent, the Motor City Madman on the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.
Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Okay, we are now going to bring you the interview that Chris and I had earlier this week with Ted Nugent, the Motor City Madman. Had a chance to talk with him via Zoom earlier this week, so let's get it started. How's it going, Ted? I'm doing so good at stupid, Tony. (laughs) Ray and everybody out there who's addicted to truth, logic, common sense, and positive spirit and energy. I'm here to serve you. Ted, you really got to get more enthusiasm going there. You're just way too too even keel. Well, Chris, let me let me set the table here, if I may. Um, I don't I don't mean to take over, but I know you guys are your elders, so uh, I know you give me the benefit of the doubt. So I I am energized. It's a beautiful spring morning here on our ranch in Texas. We have acres and acres of wildlife paradise. We work on the habitat. I've been out cutting hay fields this morning. Throwing seed, this really killer Primo's product where you just have to throw seed as the water levels recede, and it just blows up in this super nutritious vegetation for the wildlife. And then I had some friends out here the other day that were hunting Axis deer. This is an imported animal back in the 1930s from India and Pakistan, and there are more Axis deer in Texas than there are in India and Pakistan because as hunters, we value the ground to support that wildlife, and we value the sport and the fun and the trophy and the meat. It's the best venison in the world. And this gal hit one the other night, and it's one of the heartbreaks of hunting because as humans, we fail on occasion, and she didn't make a killing shot. So my enthusiasm this morning is that I found that buck. I saw the antlers swaying ab- above the hayfield, and I have my Catahoula Happy, my German Shepherd K9 uh, Coco, and my little yellow lab Sadie. And when I saw those antlers sway and the dogs, here they go. They- <laughs> it was just a cacophony for dog howl. And point being is that the dogs bade the deer up. I was able to get a bullet in it. And I recovered this magnificent stag called the young lady and she was just emotional because she was heartbroken that she didn't kill it cleanly but a day later it was still up and at him fighting the dogs i thought my dogs were going to get shish kebab but boy (laughs) they were valiant and so this energy you guys didn't do this this morning i I love it imagine the adrenaline it's a unique adrenaline when you kill your own food you manage the ground for that production of wildlife, not just you know meat animals, but songbirds, and there's some uh, uh, cranes and herons out here, a bunch of owls and a hawk, a, 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 a peregrine falcon went down this morning. So this is the nature life that I live hands on. Yeah. I just washed the blood off my hands of this magnificent stag that not only will feed my buddy's family, but I'm going to take a couple of back straps off. <laughs> but we donate, gentlemen, the Nugent family, just the Nugent, my wife with her bow and arrow and myself and my son, uh, Toby, and my daughter, Sasha. We, we donate tons of pure, natural, delicious, renewable, organic venison to soup kitchens and homeless shelters every, every year. So there's so much wildlife and you have to harvest the surplus to make room for the fawns that will be blowing up here any day now. So this is the life I live. How could you not be gonzo enthusiastic about mm-hmm. kind of complete 
participation in God's miraculous creation, uh, renewable creation, which brings us to the culinary celebration of the ultimate meal, which is venison and ducks and geese and squirrel and rabbits and coons and, and, and cougar and bear and elk and all the animals that we kill for our dinner table. It's the best diet in the world. And anybody that hasn't eaten wild game, their taste buds have no idea the excitement available to the uh, culinary, hands-on, environmentally perfect hunting lifestyle. So I think that kicks off what you guys are yeah. saying. Yeah. And all so I Ted, did was wake up and have a bowl of cornflakes, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ted, I, I'm actually, I, I actually am a little afraid to ask you this question because you and I could probably get way off the rails talking about this. Um, I, I host another show on the radio station called Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors. And we talk a lot about guns and hunting and fishing on that show. That's basically what that show is about. That's my my flavor of the outdoors lifestyle. Yeah, well, then we got to have you on that show soon, too. Um, so uh, my, my favorite thing to do when I'm out in the great outdoors is to fish, but I've hunted many times as well. Uh, I, I know that you, you just mentioned bow hunting and you mentioned rifle hunting. Just out of curiosity, which is your uh, favorite style to hunt deer, with a bow and arrow or with a rifle? Well, because I adhered to the, uh, the brilliance of the greatest philosopher of all times, Dirty Harry, and he knows his limitations. Um, I knew that if I'm going to play this hyper, ferocious, American rhythm and blues, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, Little Richard music, if I'm going to play with this intensity, where every song has four crescendos and forehead vein popping throughout the entire concert, I need to shut up, get back to peace, tranquility, charge my batteries. And I was, ap I was able to determine that balance in life because I've been clean and sober for 71 years. I just never poisoned my sacred temple. Call me weird. Um, my point being is that I have taken off at least six months a year to hunt and fish and trap to counterbalance the ferocity of mm. playing a concert every night throughout every summer of my life. And because I have so much time, I have the luxury of, of self-limiting my effectiveness. I, I mean, with a scoped rifle, if I see it, I can kill it, which is exciting because marksmanship, trigger squeeze, sight acquisition, breathing, there's a real samurai to good rifleman marksmen. Yeah. That being said, multiply that samurai rifle marksmanship by about a million, and I <laughs> with a sharp stick at close range, where God created these animals not to let guitar players with sharp sticks close to them. So I hunt ninety-five percent of the time with my bow and arrow because I can I can absorb weeks of not killing anything where I have a responsibility to kill a, a, a percentage of the deer population and the squirrels and the rabbits, that's a surplus, to make room for next year's production. So I have the luxury of getting skunked a lot because I'm going to hunt every day from September yeah. to March. In fact, even in March, I go turkey hunting and we go fishing. So I hunt with the bow and arrow because it's extremely challenging and limited, um, and it's it demands the definitive situational awareness 
to understand your responsible role with the animal, that if you, if you put your heart and soul into it, the great spirit will gift it within 25 yards broadside. Yeah. And if you don't bow hunt, um, there's a stimuli that you haven't discovered yet. It's, it's mystical. And it's, it, it's 70, I'll be 72 this year, and I'm not doing anything different than when I was 18 because of that drive and passion for sustaining myself and my family and the wild ground and, and making sure the air, soil, and water is in ultimate quality because I manage the wildlife habitat that produces quality air, soil, and water. Yeah, yeah. Which, 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 most, which almost every outdoorsman does. People don't realize that, you know, it's not just a bunch of butchers hunting and killing animals. It, it's the outdoorsmen and the hunters and the fishermen that are also sustaining the land and taking care of all that stuff. Chris, I know you have a question. Go ahead. Yeah, very proud of that. Yeah. All right, Ted, I'm the political guy here. So we're going to get a, I'm going to get a political question to you before we throw it over to Ray for another outdoors question. But, you know, I know that you're a Michigander. I forgot that you had a ranch down there in Texas. Are you spending a lot of your time down in Texas because of your governor's strict uh, stay-at-home orders there? Uh, well, respect to Governor Gretchen Whitmer, she can kiss my ass. <laughs> She's a bad person. She is the definition of corruption and abuse of power. If you just examine her policies and how she wields that, I don't know how she got it, except that the apathy of the conservatives in Michigan allowed that corruption to become governor. Uh, her policies are glaringly criminal. When you, when, and I, I can give you a hundred examples, but let's just start with a couple really painful and disgusting ones. So you can buy dope and whiskey, but you can't buy seeds to plant a garden and you can't go fishing. Now, obviously we, the people, the great conservative families of Michigan, which I adore and I, I will always be one. I was born in Detroit in 1948 and I lived there until 17 years ago because of a health issue. We had to come to Texas for treatment and we lost our home in Michigan. I found myself in Texas where everything I do, gentlemen in Texas, every, from the minute I get up in the morning to the time I go to bed at night, all the good things I do, all the science-based wildlife management, the, the wildlife environmental hands-on conservation. Gentlemen, it's all illegal in Michigan. Everything huh. I do. My, my shotgun and my, my rocks are felony in Michigan. Shooting a, a raccoon with, with before the, the raccoon season. Uh, eating doves. There's more doves produced in Michigan than all the other game birds combined, but they call it a songbird. That's just a lie. So I live in Texas, which I think is, along with Oklahoma and South Dakota and North Dakota and a few other places, is the last real we the people freedom in the country. But I work diligently every day, Chris, to get the corrupt power-abusing politicians in Michigan spotlighted so that the conservative families will finally get to the polls and vote, vote God, family, country. When we vote God, family, country, Gretchen Whitmire's don't have a chance because she's against God, she's against family, and she's against country. And I can elaborate on that, but just study her actions and it's irrefutable, my accusations. 
And for the record, I was I've lived in Missouri all of my life except for two years. But uh, I am a I was born in Texas, Tyler, Texas. My dad was born and raised in Tyler, Texas. My mom was born and raised in Atlanta, Texas. I don't know if you know where that's at. So I, I do. I tell you about Texas. Texas. Yeah, I love Texas. But there's so many uh, examples of that. When you examine uh, what the liberals have done to the states that they control, if you want to see heartbreak and human disaster, feces, needles in the street, homeless outrage, just go to a, a Democrat-run region. And it breaks my heart. And a lot of people go, well, um, I don't like to get into politics. Wait a second. Politics in America is we the people being in control of our destiny based on different truths outlined in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. If you don't want to be political, go to Cuba where you're not allowed to be political. Uh, it, so that breaks my heart. It's apathy that have allowed the, the extensive uh, corruption, Jim Comey, uh, John Brenner, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton. I mean, come on, why aren't those people in jail? How about the fact that Lon Horiachi shot and killed Vicki Weaver and he's not in jail yet? And I can go on with that. So there's, there's yeah. a Gonzo response to your simple uh, so, question. We're talking to, if you can't tell, we're talking to Ted Nugent. Yeah. If you can't tell, we're talking to Ted, Ted Nugent here on the Weekend Report. Uh, Ted, I saw in an article recently that you gave the president, you, you, somebody asked you what letter grade you would give the president. You said an A+. Plus. At least that's what this uh, article said. You can, you can tell me the uh, details. Uh, was that in regards to his entire uh, presidency? Was that in regards to just the way he's handled coronavirus? Uh, explain what you think uh, uh, the, the performance of uh, Donald Trump has been. Well, again, I'm, I'm 70, I'll be 72 this year, guys, and I, I only started paying attention to my responsibility as an American uh, to monitor the constitutional uh, uh, accountability of my elected employees. That's really what America is, where we the people are supposed to uh, demand constitutional accountability from our elected employees. Boy, I'm radical. Um, so, so when I gave the president an A plus, I saw the heartbreak and, and corruption and criminality of Bill Clinton, George Bush Sr., George Bush, George W. Bush, uh, Barack Obama, dear God in heaven, what planet are these people from? And I saw a status quo non-politic running for president, and I listened to what this man was saying, and more importantly, how he was saying it, unapologetic, confident, street sass, street connection. I said, compared to Hillary Clinton, my God, this might be the last chance to have a constitutional, common sense, logical guy begin to clean up this mess. We negotiate global contracts. How outrageous is this? So President Trump said he was going to renegotiate global contracts to benefit America. Wow, that's radical. So uh, I give him an A plus because he's been swinging a status quo crushing crowbar. And that's what America needed. The, and again, when you have the director of the FBI, who's just a glaring gangster, and John Brennan, a hippie, and a, and a guy who praises jihadists in his life, and the CIA is a bigger crook than the Crips and the Bloods, 
And I'm and I, I revere law enforcement. I've been a sheriff deputy for 40 years now, and I've conducted federal raids with the heroes of the ATF, the DEA, the FBI, the, the Texas Rangers, the U.S. Marshal heroes. I've been in the belly of the life-threatening, engineered recidivism in this country, and so. I know that the guys on the ground, most of them, there's a lot of punks in federal law enforcement agencies. And only the punks are squirming when they hear me say that because they know who they are. But there's genuine warriors, there's heroes that adhere to their oath to the Constitution. I have to take that oath every four years. I know what those words mean. I know what self-evident truth is. I know why our founding fathers went to the Concord Bridge and met the British punks and shot them when they came to take our guns. I understand this stuff. Pretty simple. I don't even have to study history. I didn't go to college. I was too busy learning stuff. So my take on it is based on this inescapable evidence, truth, logic, common sense, and the, the self-evident truth that founded this only experiment in we the people self-government. So I'm a hell raiser, which is exactly what our founding fathers wanted all Americans to be, to be a hell raiser, to be suspicious, to ask questions to demand accountability. And if you call me a radical, you got that right. And that's going to wrap up the first part of our discussion with Ted Nugent. You can download the podcast exclusive to hear the rest of our conversation. Myself, Chris Arps, and Ray Maxwell from Wild Wine Life on Facebook. Check out the rest of this interview on the podcast. Taking a break, and we'll be back with the second hour of The Weekend Report. question for you you have a wonderful cookbook kill it and grill it which is very you know kind of we have that same thought that there's more to wild game than fried and sausage which is a great comfort food but i was just kind of curious is there a wild game dish out there that made you just say wow you know i gotta tell you ray the answer to that is yes and I'm going to tell you this. I've said this in numerous interviews, and I'm going to say it again because one and one will always equal two, and the answer to your question will always be the same. And I, I alluded to it a moment ago. Those that don't eat wild game and handle it properly, and it, to handle it properly is just you have to think. Think, man, think. Yeah. Practice with your weapon so that you are as efficient and responsible as can be because how you kill the animal will determine – it's palatability, it, it's, it's taste, and it's quality. So you kill them clean, you, you clean them immediately, you hose out any body fluids and blood, you let it hang and drain, except bears and rabbits and hogs you can't age, but all other game, all fowl, all 
big game you age extensively in a cooler like we have here or in cold weather up in Michigan. So the answer to your question is all of the above. If I cook a mallard for you, by the way, in my world, fast food is a mallard. <laughs> I cooked a duck for you guys. I'd have to, I'd have to beat you off of me. If you want to kiss me? It, I, our average meal, and obviously we eat a lot of backstrap from white-tailed deer, fallow deer, psyche deer, axis deer, um, elk, uh, black buck antelope, all the different herbivores, all the different cervids. The way we handle the backstrap, which is that loin on the, that runs along the backbone, which would be the, 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 the top of the ribeye, filet mignon. Um, love the French. Love, <laughs> and that's about it. Um, love horse meat when I'm in Paris. That's why I don't go to Paris anymore. I ride horses. I don't eat them. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I get off the track here, but it's all, refer, it's all uh, references. I'm telling you, squirrel, it, all it eats is nuts and berries and buds. The content of squirrel meat is the most delicious stuff in the world when handled properly. Grouse, a rough grouse, it's candy when you handle it properly. The, the fatty skin on a duck, it's candy. And every restaurant I go to around the world, the chefs know who I am. They know I'm a, a hunting fool. And they always come out, whether it's Wolfgang Puck or Anthony Bourdain, the relationship that we had, they always come out of the, the kitchen to talk to me. And they always exalt and celebrate. The ultimate meal begins with a wild animal. Because it's that's the only you know free range chicken is a pheasant and a grouse. No, there's no such thing as a free range chicken. It's like bigger cages, and and grass fed. Well, all my animals are living a natural life and minimal adrenaline, except when the tooth, fang, and claw predators pounce. So the the content of wild game food is the most fun to shop for. It's the most fun to handle, knowing that how respectfully you handle it will determine how delicious it, how delicious it is. And then when you cook over natural wood coals and good olive oil and good seasoning, simple seasonings, I'm telling you, our average meal, Ruth Chris wishes she could serve a meal like she and I cook every night. So it's all good, but we eat a lot of backstrap, and there's no bad way to prepare backstrap as long as it's rare to medium rare. Have you ever done? You know how you can uh, tell? Oh, go, go ahead, Ray. Go ahead. Have you ever done venison tartare with the tenderloins? You know, I have not, but I I know it's doable, and I've had some uh, tartare in some of the uh, the high end restaurants around the world. <laughs> Is, and they all come out. They always want to give me their best, their best concoction. They always like to impress the Motor City uh, madman. But no, we've never done that. But I'll tell you, sometimes when I singe my venison backstraps over glowing coals, it's not just pink inside; it's bleeding. <laughs> so uh, rare. But we haven't done the tartare. But I know it's doable, and I've heard people rave about it. You know, you can tell you're talking to Ted Nugent is when you can go from uh, rifle and bow hunting to John Brennan's a hippie to a uh, cookbook discussion all within five minutes. This is what I love about talking to uh, Ted Nugent. 
Yeah, Ted, uh, before we run out of time, a couple questions to go. I, I definitely want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about The Music Made Me Do It. Uh, it's the, the name of the album. It's the, the name of the new single. Uh, I was just listening to it right before we went on. The hook is, is already uh, running around in my head. Uh, tell people about uh, uh, the new album. Well, you know, again, I've been doing this since I, I was five or six years old. I was turned on by the gods of musical authority, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, Little Richard, um, certainly Jerry Lee Lewis, and all those firebrands of the founding fathers of um, accelerating uh, the rhythm and blues and, and, and blues and gospel music uh, with Les Paul's new electric invention. Um, and it went hyper. It went really intense. It, and and they, they invented it. Bo Diddley invented the the sensual grind of chong 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 and then chong 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 you can tell I love it and celebrate it more now than ever because after you finish off a giant axis buck, um, you have sensations and, and pulsations that the dopers will never have. The comfortably numb nuts will never understand what inspired Chuck and Bo and Little Richard to throw off the shackles and celebrate this new Emancipation Proclamation and, and unleash their celebration of free, free at last. That's really where rock and roll came from. So the music made me do it is another example here 60 years later where Chuck is in my fingers and in my belly and with Greg Smith on bass guitar for the last 15 years and Jason Hartless, 23 years old, he started with me when he was 19, Detroit drummer. They are so tuned in to the authority of the founding fathers, whether, whether it was Chuck Berry or Mitch Ride and the Detroit Wheels or uh, the Stones and the Beatles, who all had Bo Diddley, Chuck Berry, and Motown songs on their first records. Yeah. Hello. So that inspiration is, is tangible and volatile, maybe more now than ever because so much dog crap music, you know, most of the music nowadays sounds like Saturday morning cartoon music really pathetic um it's it's formulated it's cookie cutter and there's some really gifted artists out there i can't think of a lot of their names right now because i can't listen to country music i can't play country music because i still have a penis um uh, <laughs> anyhow so so the music made me do it is just another chapter celebrating that motown james brown wilson pickett chuck bow little richard authority that finds its way into our, our spirit when I grab the Gibson Birdland guitar and Jason is on the drums and Greg's on the bass. We're like a bunch of horny 10-year-olds in a garage with our first amplifier, even as old men. So uh, thank God, how lucky am I, huh, to still, to still celebrate that original passion all these years later. The music, the title, The Music Made Me Do It, that's it. The music does yeah. it. Yeah. Chris, got one more for Ted before we run out of time? Yeah, Ray, go for it. Okay. 
Um, Bobby Whitehead told me to tell you and Shemaine hello yesterday when I was talking to him. Can you tell us how you became friends with Bob and started writing for Outdoor Guide magazine? Well, I just texted Bob this morning while I was literally loading up the access box. I got this unit on the front of my, my off-roader where it uses the winch to lift up this 300-pound animal. And you can imagine the emotion and the adrenaline of the dogs almost getting killed by this beast and me finishing it off. And the, the buck is, you know, in his last throes of life. And I know that it's a gift and the girl's going to be excited that I found it. So I'm just a whirlwind, a tsunami of humanity and, 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 and sensations. And then I, my phone goes, and while I'm, while I'm winching this body into the, into the basket, I look and it's, it's Bob. And he, he, uh, sent me a text that he's on a new journey in life, a new adventure. And I immediately, while I'm winching, I'm winching with my left hand and I'm texting back to Bob in my right hand. He is my blood brother. He celebrates the spirit of conservation, reverential use of the precious renewable wildlife resources. And that really, that's why our show, it's been the highest rated show on Outdoor Channel and public television back in the day. Uh, for 31 years now, wow. Um, Ted Nugent's Spirit of the Wild on Outdoor Channel, because I exude the passion and the, dare I say, intellect, reverence for resource stewardship, environmental management to produce quality air, soil, and water, and inevitably, balanced biodiversity and wildlife. So that that's Bob's mantra. And he has always told me, he probably told you, and dare I say, and you go to my Facebook any day you want and watch the millions of people that might have been an anti-hunter animal rights goofball until they hear me talk, until they hear it explained in simple terms, the renewability, the they, they the, the anti-hunter, many non-hunters have never seen the, re the relationship between quality air, soil, and water management that will produce quality wildlife productivity. Yep. And the ultimate yep. reverence for that productivity is the wise use that includes garlic and butter. And so I'm able <laughs> to articulate this in a fashion, and I, I think it's because I've been clean and sober for 71 and a half years, and... I'm actually able to form syllables, which is unique in the world of rock and roll. <laughs> so Bob and I have had a communication brotherhood to get that word out in a world that in the 60s and 70s was becoming so disconnected from nature responsibility that they now, now think that a squirrel has rights and that if you stopped hunting, that the animals would just keep reproducing and have plenty of place to live, which is course absurd and if you stop hunting and fishing people don't understand what would happen to the lakes and the land and how dirty and polluted things would become because it's the outdoorsman that keeps it clean and and is the watchman uh looking out for for all that hallelujah stuff. yeah i i tell you what if you were worried don't be the motor city madman is <laughs> Still going strong. Yeah. Ted Nugent, thank you so much for your time today. I hope that we get a chance to talk to you again really soon. We, we all have a million more questions. Uh, so I hope we get a chance to talk to you again down the line. Well, my pleasure, guys. I love talking about the things that bring me quality of life. And, and we all share that. 
that, that prioritization. So Ray and Christopher and Tony, God bless you all. And thank Becky for setting this up because yes. I know yes. help us without her. She's um, the brains of the operation. So before you came on, Chris and Tony, I was celebrating with Ray that me, Ted Nugent, who's limited technologically to crowbars, machine guns, <laughs> sharp edged instruments and guitars. I'm pretty good with guitars, but I got on zoom all by myself. Hey, really? congratulations. I thought your assistant set it up for you. <laughs> uh, I'd be awesome. happy to join you guys. I'd love to join you guys anytime. Get with my amazing assistant, Linda Peterson, who's the best of the best, like everybody in my world. And I love to talk about these things. And I think you will admit, and again, go to my Facebook and, and see the celebration of truth, logic, common sense, goodwill, decency, positive spirit, energy, uh, empathy, uh, compassion, uh, caring, and more important than any of that, really cocky humor. Really the greatest <laughs> humor in the world on my Facebook. But I love talking about these things that many people have lost touch with. So thank you for that opportunity. Carry on for doing it. And I'd like to think that what we just enjoyed here was like an Uncle Ted electronic campfire. And I'd love to do it again as soon as you guys well, I, I tell you what, before we go, and I'm going to invite myself. To, Ray has a uh, property in Missouri with uh, hogs on it. I've never been hunting in my life. So if you ever come to Missouri, I would love for the four of us to uh, go hog hunting, wild yeah. hog hunting, and get my Fair first hogs. hunting experience out of yeah, the Yeah, never hunted in Fair my hogs. life. Feral hogs <laughs> there is a big is. problem. That's yeah, the ultimate hog gun right there. Yeah. Yes. That's a Glock 10 millimeter with 100, <laughs> you know, semi-jacket at hollow point doing about 1350 feet a second. But gentlemen, please celebrate with me, huntthevote.org. Huntthevote.org. We are going to galvanize the heretofore untapped voting army for God, family, country, freedom, constitution, and hunting, fishing, trapping, conservation, lifestyle. We're going to finally get these apathetic people to vote. Huntthevote.org. We're already on our way, and we're going to make a difference in the future, starting in this November, that we're going to hold what I talked about earlier, that constitutional fire to the feet of our elected employees. Huntthevote.org. It's going to make all the difference. We did it in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania in 2016. We're going to do it nationwide this year. Great stuff. Ted Nugent, Excellent. thank you so much for your time. I hope we get a chance to talk again real, real soon. Next time I'm going to put, I'm bringing a guitar next time and I'll just drive you nuts. Hey, we'll take yeah. the concert. Amen. Love it. Thank you, Mr. Nugent. All right. Let's see you guys live it up. God bless yeah. America. Be God safe, be well, be happy, be secure, be cocky, be rocking, and be hopeful. <laughs> Amen. We'll talk to you soon, Ted. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Zoom like you mean it, gentlemen. <laughs> It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. It is our number two of the Weekend Report on your radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tony Colombo and Frank Ladd, producer of the stars here in the studio. <laughs> uh, Chris Arps is connected from his home as we practice proper social distancing. Uh, if you missed that interview that we just played there at the end of the first hour, that was... Chris and I getting a chance to talk to Ted Nugent, the Motor City Madman, 
We got a chance to talk with him earlier in the week. The interview went way longer than what we were just able to play for you. So you can uh, hear the entire interview by uh, downloading the podcast of this show, which we would appreciate if you did every single week. Best way to do that is on the Radio.com app. You can get our podcast in many places, but Radio.com app, I think, is the best place to do it because you can favorite this radio station. Then you basically have one-stop shopping. You can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio with the Radio Rewind feature, and you can download the podcast of this and every other show, and it's all free. So... We played the first part of the interview there, and you can download the podcast of the show if you missed it or you want to hear that again. And then we're putting the rest of the interview up as a basically a podcast exclusive. So while you're there grabbing the podcast, grab the rest of the Ted Nugent interview. It went probably how much longer? Another twice as long, Frank, as that, as that first part that we were able to play you. So, Whenever you book Ted, you give yourself an hour. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's great. It's great to have that long discussion with a guy like Ted Nugent. I thought it was a, a, a whole lot of fun. Um, Tony, ahead, would you describe Ted as low energy? No, I would not describe him as low energy. Okay. I would, yeah. What is he, 71, he said? And uh, 70, yeah, I'll be 72 this fall. I yeah, think. And he said, uh, and he said, I, I'm, I'm going just as, as fast and can do everything that I did when I was 18. And you know what? Normally when somebody would say that, I would say, yeah, these probably, okay, uh, old man. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's probably embellishing a bit there. I believe Ted Nugent when he says I that. Do. Yeah. Absolutely. Eating that wild game. <laughs> so we got another great hour coming up here for you. In a few minutes, we're going to have our buddy Skip Weber on the line, and we'll play another edition of the Weird News Challenge, see if Chris Arps can continue his winning streak. Three in a row. Yeah. And right now, joining us on the phone is our friend Virginia Cruda from the Daily Caller. Virginia, it's been too long since we've had you on the show. This coronavirus lockdown has just messed everything up, but it is uh, great to finally talk with you again. How's it going? Uh, true story. <laughs> um, yeah, well, um, well, I'm in Illinois, so uh, yeah. we're going to lock down a little while longer. Yeah. Um, and uh, today uh, was the first day of mandatory masks in in indoor public places. So now, if you go to Walmart, you have to have a mask. Mm-hmm. If you go, you know, grocery shopping or whatever, you know. So, so that's fun. Tell us about your experience there in Illinois. Of course, you write for the Daily Caller, which you can do, you know, from your home. You don't have to go into an office and be around folks. But uh, your husband and, and your family have Crudis Bakery, yeah. which have been over there for over 100 years, um, yep. which is a small business and, you know, small bakery. And, and I'd, I'd imagine has been affected tremendously by what's happening in, in well, that state. So t- tell us about your whole experience with this. We, well, the, we've been lucky. The business has been able to stay open because we were not a um, we don't have like tables to sit down and eat at inside the bakery. It's mm-hmm. everything we do is carry out. Mm-hmm. So we've been able to stay open. Um, and people come in and get what they want and they leave. And we put up, you know, plexiglass in front of the registers so that, to, to, and, and we've, um, everybody's wearing gloves and masks inside and, and that stuff. So we've been doing that pretty much since all of this got really, everybody got locked down. Uh, we started doing that. Um, but um, we lost a ton of business Easter week because we knew that if we kept the doors open during Easter week, it was going to be busy because everybody comes in 
uh, and it would be very difficult to mandate the social distancing and get, without people being like lined up around the block. Mm. And so what we ended up doing was order ahead only. And so not everybody knew that. And we ended up losing about two thirds of the normal business in that one week alone, because we could only do like curbside pickup because we couldn't allow that many people in the store. So, you know, you're going to see a little, you know, impact here and there like that. But um, like I said, we've been lucky. We have been very lucky because we were able to stay open and we were able to keep the, the income coming in. Um, so that, that's been, that's been helpful. And there are a lot of businesses that are not so lucky. Like my kids, my kids do martial arts. My, my, uh, two middle girls, um, are 12 and almost 14 and they took their black belt test, uh, last summer and their dojo has been closed and we've, but again, we are so blessed because their, their dojo master has been on a weekly basis posting their lessons, video lessons Mm. for them. So they can do their workouts at home. And we're doubly blessed because my youngest, who's six, um, is she's, she's on her blue belt, and her older sisters have been training in leadership. And so they're able to help wow. her go through her lessons. And, but not everybody has that. Yeah, no, my I mean, oldest daughter is in is in orchestra, which is fine. You can play your violin right. and, you know, in the basement. But my, my uh, younger daughter is in gymnastics. So her trying to take e gymnastics yep. uh, classes in the living room is not uh, is is not exactly safe, uh, but they have yeah. been trying to do some e learning in that regard. We we talked last hour with uh, State Rep Nick Schroer. Uh, he gave us the the details behind the governor of Missouri, Mike Parson, uh, in his thought yeah. process of of opening back up the state of Missouri. Could you just contrast what your personal opinion on the difference between the way that Mike Parson has handled this situation and your governor, J.B. Pritzker, has? Well, I, I, it's easier to make a comparison to Andrew Cuomo because somebody else said this, and I'm going to borrow the line because it's brilliant. Um, Andrew Cuomo has treated his entire state as if, people in Buffalo or Schenectady or, you know, upstate outlying cities, he treats them all as if they live at 42nd and Broadway. And J.B. Pritzker is writing these new rules and regulations as if the entire city is, is based in Chicago, or the, the entire state lives in Chicago. And that's just not the case. Um, I was explaining to my kids, they're like, why are so many more people sick in New York? Why are, you know, are they stupid? Are they going out when they're not supposed to? I'm like, well, there's going to be a degree of that anywhere you go. There are going to be people who defy the orders no matter what you do, unless you do like China and you, you know, send the police to make sure they don't leave. So you're going to see that uh, kind of defiance anywhere. But in New York City, nobody owns cars. They're all in public transportation, cabs, Uber, subway, take your pick. And they're all touching the same thing. They're all touching the same elevator buttons, the same hand railings if they live in a walk-up, you know. And so it's very difficult to do the kind of social distancing that would even prevent a few of the cases in a city where everybody lives on top of each other. And the reality is even though we're in a suburb of St. Louis, we don't have that kind of – I mean, on a normal day, if the kids are not in school, our interactions include – you know, my six-year-old playing with the six-year-old girl who lives next door. 
usually outside, which is a low risk anyway. You know, me maybe going to the grocery store or to, um, you know, get an oil change or running to the gas station. Those are the things that we do. And we might interact with five or six people on a regular basis. And we don't touch a whole lot of things that other people have handled. So the risk is so much lower here, but we're being treated as if it's the same. And that's just not, it's not an effective way to manage a state that is not, uh, mm-hmm. it's not a homogenous blend. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, uh, Virginia, yesterday, <laughs> Joe Biden finally addressed the sexual harassment allegations that uh, were against him. Uh, a lot of people are giving that uh, that uh, that interview mixed reviews. As a as a conservative woman and as a woman in general, talk a little bit about how this is dividing the uh, the Democratic Party, especially the feminists. We had the actress who disavow the Democratic Party yesterday. They had reports at the New York Times where a bunch of women's groups were going to put out a statement against uh, Joe Biden to come out and address these allegations. And then they talked to them and they backed down. Talk about what this is doing to the feminist uh, Me Me Too movement. Well, I I mean, realistically, I don't think the impact is going to be what it should be. Because if you look at, I mean, look at Bill Clinton. They still love him. He didn't destroy the Me Too movement, though though by all rights their response to him should have. The fact that nobody is listening to Juanita Broderick at this point even, you know, nobody cares about that. So I think I think Biden is, realistically, he's, he's depending on this to kind of fade away. And... Unless there are enough people who really, really, really want Bernie back, he's, it's probably going to succeed. Um, because the reality is that unless she can prove something that is too much for them to continue to design, because as long as it's he said, she said, they can say, well, maybe she's telling the truth, maybe he's. But Virginia, the truth. doesn't it doesn't it just show the sheer hypocrisy that during Kavanaugh oh, no. they said that all women are supposed to believe, Absolutely. and Joe Biden said that himself, and Mika Brzezinski mentioned that, and during right. the question yesterday, I mean, doesn't it just show the sheer hypocrisy, and really oh, has is going to have them on defense and something that they have to address. I, no, I agree that it shows the hypocrisy, but the problem is you are dealing with a party that um, it doesn't matter the topic. Um, when you call them out on hypocrisy, they reject your reality and substitute their own. There is no, you, you're dealing with a party that, that um, bases everything on his truth and her truth rather than capital P. So, you, so you think the female women groups that, that were going to put out the letter and this actress that uh, disavowed the Democratic Party, you think they're alone? No, I don't think they're alone, and I think he may lose some votes over it, but the party writ large is not going to force him out over this. But Whereas doesn't dividing the Democratic Party, it doesn't that help Donald Trump in the long run? I think, if the, it divides I think the unfortunate so. truth is that people that that this isn't yeah. going to change anybody, this isn't going to make anybody who was going to vote for Joe Biden <laughs> vote for Donald Trump. Maybe no, it keeps I, yeah, people from... Maybe it keeps people who were going to vote for Joe Biden from voting at all because exactly. they can't bring themselves right. to vote for him. Yeah. So maybe it damages him in that way. But I don't think yeah. it changes any minds. 
No, I yeah, don't well, even, and that's I something that um, somebody was talking about. This uh, uh, actually, Megan McCain mentioned it a couple days ago. I think you're going to see a similar impact with like uh, Justin Amash, the um, who declared his run as a libertarian, mm-hmm. or his exploratory committee rather. He hasn't committed to a full-on run yet, but. Um, you know, Joy Behar was saying, oh, well, this is great for Democrats because he's going to siphon off some fiscal conservatives from Trump. Which, <laughs> yeah, the libertarians have been so successful in that bid <laughs> over the maybe, years. And, and that may be true, but here's the thing. I say that <laughs> as a proud libertarian laughing right. at ourselves. <laughs> yeah, you look, at, you look at the state of Michigan, which is where Amash is from. I think the major impact is going to come from the never-Trumpers who were going to maybe vote for Biden, now they have a viable alternative. So these are people who were never going to vote for Trump anyway, and now instead of voting for Biden, they're like, oh, well, now I have an alternative. And they go, and, and you know, we all, we all know he's got no chance at winning. He's, you know, it's, it's statistically a throwaway vote, um, but it's, it's a protest vote, and it's something that the Libertarian Party writ large has been great at. Is, is throwing co- protest votes either to stop the Republican they don't like from winning or to um, just say, hey, you know, I know the Republican's going to win anyway, so why not vote for this guy? Because then maybe next time he'll be viable. Yeah. That, so we're, Unfortunately, it, we're just about out of time. Virginia, unfortunately, we're just about yeah. out of time. We're going to have to have you back on real soon. Uh, before we let you go, tell people what you have been working on there at The Daily Caller and how people – can follow you on social media and read your stuff. Okay, um, at VA Cruda on Twitter um, and uh, thedailycaller.com. Also, um, what I'm working on for this weekend is I've got um, a piece breaking down the media's response to uh, Joe Biden's statement, um, the fact that the view who have been vocal about their support for Biden didn't mention it at all. They had a full hour hmm. uh and they talked about uh, Billy Porter, the actor, is doing an Instagram fashion challenge. So they talked about that, um, and, but they didn't mention wow. Biden. Well, as so, we've mentioned yeah. throughout the show, we're used to hypocrisy in politics, but the montages and the statements that people have been able to put up side by side and the way that yeah. Democrats have handled issues in the past and the way they're handling this are, is uh, is hypocrisy even at a new level. Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right, we have got to take another break, but when we get back, Skip Weber is on the line, and we are going to play another edition of the Weird News Challenge. Chris, you feel like you can continue this winning streak? I do, Tony. I feel very uh, very lucky. You know, All I was right. born in May, so this is, uh, I feel lucky. All right, we're about to find out. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. She said if you 
Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo in studio with producer Frank Ladd. Big thanks to Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller for joining us in that last segment. Chris Arps uh, still connected to us via the wonder of technology to his home. And I can see you waving. You can't see me, but I can see you, Chris. And uh, also on the phone with us now, of course, it is Skip Weber from Weber Chevrolet. And that means it is time for the Weird News Challenge. Skip, how are you, my friend? I'm well. What a beautiful day. No kidding. Things looking, things looking better and better around here. Right. right. Uh, definitely want to talk to you about uh, the – we had uh, State Rep Nick Schroer on earlier in the show talking about the governor of Missouri opening the state back up starting this week. Of course, you have the Creve Corps location in the state of Missouri, and your other two locations are in Illinois. Uh, would love to talk to you, and we'll get into that in just a few minutes about uh, how all of that has affected Weber Chevrolet. But first, we got to get down to business and see if you and or Frank can put a stop to the <laughs> terror that is Chris Arps. He's on a run. He is on a weird news challenge run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. I'm speechless. <laughs> Good answer, Skip. We have a standard game uh, of the Weird News Challenge. This is episode 70. I want to say, I think I wrote this down wrong. I think this 73, is 73, 76. No, I think it's 70. Is it 76? Okay, that yeah. sounds right. Yeah, 76 sounds right to me. Uh, Chris Arps has moved comfortably into second place all time. Now two games ahead of Trish Gazelle. Uh, still 10 games behind Skip Weber, who has 27 victories. Hey, but, 10, 10 games is only two and a half months. There you so go. I can do it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, especially if you stay on the uh, the pace that you have been on here recently. So this is a standard game of the Weird News Challenge, which means these are all uh, fairly recent real news stories. Um, uh, five one-point questions plus a tiebreaker if we need it. And, of course, the QMD, the question of mass destruction at the very end, which will ensure an automatic victory for that person if you are able to answer it at the end of the game. Uh, before we get started, let's test the buzzers. Chris Arps. Mm-hmm. Skip Weber. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, sir. And Frank Lad. Frank. There it is. And the Katie Fitzpatrick rule is not in effect, which means you can buzz in any time you like. Uh, everybody ready? Frank. Let's do it. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> Weekend Report, Weird News Challenge, episode number 76, question number one. A new dating term has been born out of the coronavirus lockdown. What does it mean to be zumped? Frank. Chris. Arps. Yeah, he beat me. Um, to be uh, to be uh, dumped nope. on Zoom. That is correct. Ah. That is correct. I wasn't sure he was going to get to it. it kind of felt like he was. He, he maybe buzzed into. Yeah, I was trying did. to think if it was Jeopardy. Did it I had to phrase it like a five question. seconds, Chris? Four. Yes. Three. If you are, if you get dumped <laughs> while on Zoom, you've been. Zumped. Zumped. Mm-hmm. And let's just say I have never been zumped. All have right. you ever been dumped on the phone? Oh, plenty Chris. times. Chris has? Sure. Chris? Tony? <laughs> yes. You've been dumped on the phone? Yes. That's sad. Skip, yes. probably not. 
No, nobody dumps Skipper. Well, if nobody you have to remember, I, I haven't been dating for a while, so, we, you know, the phone was barely invented when I was there. <laughs> Dumped by, via, via smoke signal. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, question number two. An ABC reporter made national news on Good Morning America. Frank. That, yes, Frank. He was not wearing pants. He was wearing shorts. He did not have pants on. That is correct. And there's ABC a question report- as to whether or not they were athletic shorts or just his boxers. Yeah, they look like boxers to me. An ABC reporter made national news on Good Morning America this week. For what reason? He did his report with no pants Not on. wearing pants. That yeah. is correct. Was uh, that on purpose? I think so. For it to be um, to, to, uh, to find out. Yeah. Do you know who that was? Well, hold on. Okay. Because question number three is who Frank. is that? Yes. Christopher Reeve. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> He's Superman's son. That is correct. <laughs> Mr. I know, something about Mr. Know-it-all was, was going to answer the third <laughs> question before I even asked it. <laughs> the third question, which he's already gotten right, is who is that reporter's famous father, Christopher Reeve? That was Will Reeve, who's the ABC reporter. The uh, son I think we had to do a, I'm going to have to do an official Reeve. protest on that one. That was pretty... Uh, Denied. Yeah, that was uh, that was amazing. That yep. was don't look at me, man. You guys are <laughs> shouting out answers before Tony even, you know, I, know, I'm over here following the rules. And right. You guys are all uh, getting points, but, but breaking a, rules. So yeah. not the Katie Bailey rule, though. Yeah, Sorry. the Katie Fitzpatrick rule, not in effect. That is correct. All right, here we go. Uh, question number four. Only five questions this week. Frank already has two points. Chris has one point. Skip, you got to get these next two to force a tiebreaker or wait for the QMD. Uh, Question number four. The governor of Kentucky ripped people for filing fake unemployment claims this week and cited a case. Frank. Yes. Frank. Tupac Shakur. That is correct. Tupac Mm. Shakur is the correct answer. Frank, of all people, gets the Tupac answer. Wow. Yes. The governor of Kentucky ripped people for filing fake unemployment claims this week and cited a case where someone used what name in their claim? The answer is Tupac Shakur, but... The guy was a real guy. It was a real guy named Tupac Shakur. He was not filing fake unemployment. Uh, did you say Tupac or did you say Tupac Shakur? <laughs> Tupac Shakur. Okay. Uh, the game is over. Oops. Frank has already won. We'll get to the QMD and, the, and everything in a second. This is just for fun. Uh, question number five. A 101-year-old woman who survived the Spanish flu and beat coronavirus says her secret was eating what? Anybody know? No idea. You know? No. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you still have to ring in. You googling it? Oh, <laughs> no, I'm not googling. You can see me. Yes, no, we can. I don't know. We can see you. Know. Although Oreo, your hands are hidden. Oreo cookies. Double stuff. She's 101 wow. years old. She survived Spanish flu and just beat coronavirus, and she says that it's because she eats a lot of Oreo cookies. The tiebreaker, had we have needed it, what percentage of people who, due to coronavirus, are working from home for the first time ever say they prefer it? What percentage of people who, due to coronavirus, are working from home for the first time ever say they prefer it? Frank, what percentage do you think of? 65. Okay. Uh, Skip. What percentage of 49. new workers from 49. Home? Okay. And Chris? 45. Uh, hold on a second. 49. 
Eight. Tony, put the abacus away, please. Well, no. Uh, Frank and Skip are both eight points away, but I always give it to the person who's under, not over. So Skip would have gotten it. It's 57%. And uh, wow. both, yeah, and uh, uh, Frank was eight points above, and you were eight points below, and uh, so Skip would have gotten the tiebreaker had we have needed. All right, here we go. Kristen Skip's only chance to steal this game from Frank <laughs> is the QMD, the Question of Mass Destruction. You can still buzz in, Frank. Mm-hmm. So here we go. This week's QMD. E News just put out a list of TV's top twenty badass female characters of all time. What character was number one? The number one badass female character of all time. Anybody want to take a guess? It was this TV and radio. TV. 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 The number one female badass character of all time. I'll be super blown away if somebody gets it. But that's what the QMD is all about. Ding, 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 ding. Skip Weber. I'm going to guess. Alexis Carrington. Mm, good guess. I Frank. Think she was on the list, but not number one. Go ahead. Angela Channing from, mm, from Falcon Crest. No, no. Probably no. wasn't on the list. No, I don't remember if she was. I'm going to pay uh, Pinky Tuscadero. <laughs> Nancy <laughs> Davis. Ah, that's the best guess ever. <laughs> Buffy <laughs> the Vampire Slayer. What? Oh, wow. It wasn't Buffy, Pinky? Buffy that's Summers. Skewed. Yes. Frank Ladd has Skewed won young. his first job, ever. Frank. Weird News Challenge. He is now officially, like Rudy, he's officially in the stat book. In the book. Of all, for I all exist. time. For all time. You, he is there. I tell you what, guys. I tell you what, guys. This goes to show. These last two weeks have shown me how little I'm paying attention to media during this coronavirus. I didn't know. I didn't know. I haven't known any of these. You've, and you know weeks. what? You've mentioned that the last couple of weeks about how you've and not I'm just been... going, I mean, you know, I never, I never heard the story. I didn't read the story. I didn't right. look at the story. I mean, yeah. usually I, I've heard something about somewhere. I mean, you right. got stuff that both of you guys knew it was ever, whoever was buzzing in first. I mean, I feel, I feel totally out of touch, but yet amazingly refreshed by it. Yeah, right? Yeah, there's nothing wrong like with, the... with unplugging from time to time. Yeah. Skip, it's like the studio is your uh, home field advantage. Mm, that's a good point. Maybe, maybe, but but when but when I'm at work, I am keeping on track with the news too. I'm always looking at apps. I'm always looking at websites, and and working so much from home, I haven't pulled up any of that, nor have I watched any TV. Regular regular uh, work days when I'm going into the office, I'm watching TV before I go. Right. In. You know, I I watch a little t- TV news when I come back. Yeah. We don't watch any TV news since I've been doing most of my work from home. I mean, I'm on the phone a lot. I'm on my website a lot. I'm doing some stuff. I, I'm popping into the office before hours. Uh, but the routine is just different. And I'm not, I, yeah. I feel, boy, I'm just going, man, how do these guys even know this is happening? <laughs> well, you guys are still in touch. And I'm yeah, not. yeah, but that's okay. Unplugging hey, well, is, not a bad, yeah. is not a bad thing. So, uh, yeah. Skip, we talked earlier in the show with, uh, State Representative Nick Schroer, and he kind of went through why the governor has decided to, you know, open up the state of Missouri here. You have businesses in both Missouri and Illinois, and the two governors handle things a, a whole lot differently. What is the latest with Weber Chevrolet as far as everything that's happening with this coronavirus situation? Well, um, fortunately for me, and actually fortunately for the people of Illinois, there is at least a list of essential businesses, and transportation is essential. 
we have been open since day one. Um, the the uh, essential aspect of sales in in autos has gone from being uh, service support to being sales is essential. So we no longer have to be open just when sales are open. We no longer have to be appointment only. Now, with that in mind, I recommend please consider making appointments because we are still social distancing. I don't know what the Missouri rule is for social distancing. I know they're at least recommending social distance, but we're going to do it regardless. So we're not going to have an absolute full staff of salespeople Mm -hmm. at any one time. Um, If you want to walk in, you're welcome. It's all fine. We're not going to be like the stores that have a line with a limit, but, but with the people making appointments, we are absolutely uh, um, making this so that we're scheduling people's appointments to when we don't have other appointments yet. So we are keeping it as sparse as we possibly can. It's not that hard to do. And like I said, you don't have to do it. I mean, we'll welcome you no matter what. You don't have to pick your car out up front. If you want to drive five cars like the old days, that's cool too. That's all good. We can do all those things now. And uh, and we can still bring cars to you. Um, and, and that's kind of a neat thing because we've, we learned a lot about doing that uh, and doing complete online retailing. We always had the capability, but we would never do but one or two. We were doing a lot. Yeah, but that's died down a bit because the restrictions are are eased. Last time so we talked, there. Me, well, I was going to ask Skip. Uh, last time we talked, there was some big incentives happening. We're, um, we're entering a new month. I know for you guys, yeah, the, just, the month of April will extend through the weekend and through Monday. But uh, what? No, is it's any, still it's it's May. It's May today because month and then, but the incentives are just as good. I mean, oh, okay, you know, gotcha. Detroit, Detroit has has is is answering a call from Washington to do things to help spur the economy. I've said it before, the car business, um, you know, most people buy one car every four, five, six years. Some people buy a car every a new car every year. I, I get that. But most people do that. But still, when economic times require it or, or maybe uh, suggest that it's needed, getting people into the market with spending money has always been a good spur of the economy and and um, the national you know the, the federal government knows that it's why that they partnered we partnered gm partnered with uh, uh washington during 9-11 and that's why they're somewhat partnering now uh to keep really good incentives to keep things like delaying your payment for four months if you need it it's, uh, involved and then it's going to keep going. And I imagine it'll be two or three months before they ease off that. So yeah. and before not a we, sense of urgency. But. Before we run out of time, Skip, what's happening tonight on the Saturday Evening Rock Show? Well, we've got another new show. Um, uh, love the fact that we can keep bringing two hours of entertainment that's fresh, you know, with all reruns everywhere on TV. I mean, we're not as well produced as a, as a television show, you know, or as a movie, but we're <laughs> we're fresh, new music and, and new themes and all that. It's really fun. Uh, it doesn't sound that good because I'm I'm doing it remotely, uh, which which uh, stresses me out. Because but the music still rocks. The music still rocks. 
And hey, a little bit ago, a little bit earlier on this show, um, and you can still you can go back and get the podcast and 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 hear the entire interview there. Chris and I talked to Ted Nugent earlier this week. We played oh. the first half of that interview earlier in the show, and then the second half is available on the podcast exclusive. Uh, just something for the rock and roll fans uh, out there that are fans of the Saturday Evening Rock Show. Another, uh, you gotta, you gotta to be out. careful. I'll tell you what, when I play Ted Nugent on my rock show and put it on Facebook, I get a lot of people, a handful of people that say, I'm not listening to your show anymore because you played that guy. I said, why do you have to bring <laughs> politics into music? It's so yeah. terrible. I, I really, it really, I feel bad for people that do that. If yeah. you can't sit there and like music because of music, I mean, look at all the people on the other side of the coin that still go see, you know, George Clooney movies or Susan Sarandon movies. I mean, just why don't you, and, and, and there's some people that boycott those because of that. Look, Keep entertainment and political views aside. Same time, sometimes it frustrates me when the artists get so involved politically because that's what it causes. Yeah. It's just so stupid. I mean, if you like the guy's music, if he rocks, listen to it. You know, if you don't like his music, then that's fine. I mean, it's so weird. People who love oh, every yeah. rock and roll artist out there except for Nugent. I mean, that's kind of strange. Yeah, everything's politics these days, yeah. uh, but it was definitely a very uh, interesting discussion. So if you want to hear from Ted Nugent, you should go back and check out the uh, the discussion. It was amazing. And if you want to hear great rock and roll music, the number one music show on a talk station in the world is tonight and every Saturday night, the Saturday Evening Rock Show, 9 to 11, and starring one Skip Weber. Yes. I do have to warn you, I am playing a Ted Nugent song tonight. Hey, there you go. We didn't even do that on purpose. I won't be discussing any of his political <laughs> views, so it will, be, well, it will be on tonight. Good stuff. Make sure you follow the Saturday Evening Rock Show on Facebook and, of course, everything that's happening at Weber Chevrolet at WeberChevrolet.com. Skip, thanks so much for your time, sir. We'll talk to you next week. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Big congratulations to Frank Ladd, his first ever victory in the Weird News Challenge. You're Starting on the board, off my name friend. right. There you go. That is right. How's it feel, Frank? Got my feet wet, and now I'm in the game. <laughs> That's right. He's in there, baby. Uh, got one more segment to go on this week's show. What a packed show this week. Uh, we were all over the place. We had our discussion with Ted Nugent. We were able to bring you the first half of that interview. The second half is a podcast exclusive. We talked to State Rep Nick Schroer. We talked to Virginia Cruda. We talked to Skip Weber and played the Weird News Challenge. And if you missed any of it, you can download the podcast. You can get our podcast many places. Uh, my favorite place to get the podcast is the Radio.com app. Download that app, favorite the radio station, and then you have access to everything. You can stream the station 24-7, rewind live radio, and download the podcast of this and every other show on the station. And it is all absolutely free. Chris, before we run out of time, one more topic that I wanted to get your thoughts on this week uh, has to do more locally. This is, again, this is one of those stories that would normally, I think, be getting a lot of attention, but because of... Uh, coronavirus and some of the bigger national stories, these these local stories get pushed to the side. Kim Gardner has brought charges against a St. Louis County police officer. This is Officer Preston 
uh, Marquart, I think is how you say his name. He was in an accident, uh, hit a 12-year-old girl with his patrol SUV back in October while he was pursuing a suspicious vehicle and about to make a traffic stop. Um, this girl was accidentally hit while the officer was, was pursuing that vehicle. The accident was investigated and ruled an accident, but Kim Gardner has decided to reopen the investigation and charge the officer with involuntary manslaughter. Critics of Gardner are saying this is more uh, another example of her double standard um, when it comes to your typical everyday felon and police and also more evidence of her sort of war on police officers which is not you know really what her job is supposed to be can you please give me your thoughts on this story well i think first of all it's tragic that uh, this child lost her her life in this way but i also think it's tragic too is that uh, we have a a circuit attorney that seems to have a vendetta against the police against the chief against the mayor, against any types of authority, and it seemed to have sided with the criminals. And I'm just not, I'm hoping, I mean, it looks this way, but I'm hoping it's not a, a way of payback by indicting this officer and bringing him to trial, even though an investigation showed that it was an accident. I don't think it does anything good to bring the community together. together. It doesn't bring this child back. Uh, to life. I think it just creates really just strife, uh, but we'll see what happens with the trial. Yeah, if there if there's truly justice that can be done for this little girl, then it should be. But if it was an accident, as the prior investigation uh, proved out, it would seem that the circuit attorney, that Kim Gardner, could be doing a lot more with her time. There's a lot of crime in the city of St. Louis that can be addressed right now and this is what she's choosing to uh, put her resources behind and of course she would say that she can do more you know they they can cover uh, obviously multiple cases at once but it still seems uh, very curious I think you make a good argument uh, you know there are victims of homicide uh, victims or relatives of homicide victims that are coming forward and saying that they know who killed their relative. Um, uh, the police knows who killed their relative, but she won't bring the cases to trial. You mentioned the mayor a moment ago. She got uh, created some controversy this week. I don't know if you saw, if you've been downtown uh, along Market Street and, and have witnessed the tent city that has popped up over the last several weeks uh, it's something we've talked about on the radio station uh, several times. Mayor Krusen decided late this week to shut that down um, and say, and you know, say no more tent city going stretching all the way down Market Street. That there are homeless shelters uh, that can better serve these people than allowing them to uh, basically just you know set up up and down the street uh, in downtown St. Louis. Uh, what are your thoughts on on how the mayor has handled the tent city situation? I think the mayor was correct. It was the right thing to do. What they those tent cities are a breeding ground for the coronavirus to spread. 
And if we all have to practice social distancing and 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 have groups of 10 or less within us, then so should the homeless population. And so I think it's better for all, for them and for the public's health in, at large, for them to be in homeless shelters and sheltering in place like the rest of us. Yep. I have no problem with the mayor's uh, actions. Absolutely. And uh, people can uh, you were quoted in a recent article in The Daily Caller just a few seconds to go. Uh, tell people how they can check that out. Well, it was an article. Uh, I got a chance to ask a question at the New York Times shareholder meeting about their 1619 project that they came out last year. And it generated a lot of controversy because the whole crux of the project was that the American Revolution started because uh, the colonists were afraid that Great Britain was going to outlaw slavery. Oh, very good. Yes, I did say that correctly. And so, <laughs> go and uh, check out the article did. and see and and uh, and 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 get the information uh, exactly. there for sure. Uh, check it out on the Daily Caller. That is going to do it for another edition of the Weekend Report. If you missed anything, please download the podcast on the Radio.com app. Don't forget about the podcast exclusive, the second half of our Ted Nugent interview that we have posted up there for you this week as well. For my partner, Chris Arps, and our producer, Frank Ladd, I am Tony Colombo. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Weekend Report. Have a great rest of your weekend and stay safe. See you next week. All right, we got to take one more break, and we've got more weekend report coming up next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.